What I've been talking about today is what I've described as the question of, of bounce. How do you encourage people to be resilient, to bounce back from disease and illness, whether mental or physical? And the implications of what I'm arguing is quite a, a new body of knowledge about resilience uh, and its implications for health practice. Now, some of this knowledge comes from psychology. There's a remarkable amount of evidence showing that, for example, people's optimism explains more about recovery from a heart attack or a cancer than, than almost uh, anything else. A great deal of evidence on the relationships between longevity and happiness and well-being and all its kinds. A huge amount of evidence on the importance of social networks and support structures to people's health. And yet the truth is that most of our health services almost completely ignore all of this evidence. They think of healthcare as something done to essentially passive people, and they think of those people as individual consumers or patients rather than as embedded in families, communities, etc. Uh, so what I was arguing about was how do we do much more systematic innovation to discover the new models of healthcare which really help people to be resilient and bounce uh, back. Some of those will involve different kinds of support structure, uh, including, uh, and I describe some of the things we're doing with the Young Foundation, including volunteer counsellors helping isolated older people, uh, dealing with bereavement or, or, or shocks, our work uh, providing school-based curriculum on resilience for 11-year-olds, which has very strong evidence it reduces depression and all sorts of other uh, negative harms later uh, on in life. Uh, new patterns of care pathway, for example, neuroresponse, which we're doing uh, with MS sufferers uh, across uh, England, and work in Birmingham on a, a new model of health incentives, which gives people rewards for uh, making healthy choices. The big argument I was making is that in terms of health innovation, for the last 50 years, the great majority of money has gone into really traditional, university-based, science-based R&D, often led by clinicians. And while that is going to be as important as ever in the next 10 or 20 years, in fact, there are many, many other kinds of innovation which probably already are delivering as much in terms of health gain. And those include innovation led by patients or by nurses and GPs, by social entrepreneurs, service-based innovation and so on. And one of the things we're doing at the Young Foundation is a much more systematic mapping of all the different methods which could be used in innovation in fields like health. And we're already finding that 90% of those methods are not being used at all uh, at present. And that's one of the reasons why we think our, the system as a whole is less effective either at inventing or designing new models, let alone prototyping them, testing them, and then growing them uh, across the system. And the final thing I, I talked about was the downturn. We know that many people in the next couple of years will be significantly poorer. We know the economy will contract. One of the things we haven't yet talked about that much is the likely impacts on mental health of the downturn. Yet all the indications from the early 80s and the early 90s is that there will be very significant blows to people's confidence. Suicide will probably go up. Depression will go up. And this question of resilience and bounce will become, I think, even more important for the NHS because of the downturn than it is now. And at the moment, there's few signs that that is being planned for. And we're shaping our services in ways which will help people cope with a period of uh, severe adversity.